0: Welcome back to Scarswell. It's Ned here, ready to take you on another tour of our fair city. Ordinarily, I'd recommend a walk on Scarswell Common to anyone. The sun shines, the rabbits scamper to and fro, the wind whistles through the rusty holes in the monkey bars. At night, though, the Common takes on an altogether different character. And this story features a character who many of us may know, but who is as different as they come. I remember, it was dark and forgotten, Scarswell, that night. I rubbed the fur from my teeth with the sleeve of my hoodie as I walked, and I wish I'd listened to my dad. I should have just stayed at home. My mouth was sticky with all the fruit-flavoured ciders I'd enjoyed all evening. If enjoyed was the right word. I started with strawberry, then moved on to lychee. I had a pineapple, and then I ended up with something called durian. All of them were unbearably cloying, but what could I do? I needed something to slick my feelings of worthlessness. I slumped against the wall of the boat builders and watched a boy I used to have a crush on, now a man I suppose, as he crooned into a microphone. 5 whole pounds. That's what it cost me. A humiliating third of my job seeker's allowance, frittered away to watch a man I hadn't missed in 8 years. Standing there, strumming his Argos guitar. I vowed, as I quickened my pace, that from now on, I would start making only good choices. The Builders, that's what everybody called it, is on the far side of town. The forgotten end of Scarswell. All black streets and flickering lights. Empty cafes, with the dirty plates still strewn across four mica tables, abandoned cars. And tonight, for one night only me roll up people and see my distorted reflection in the streaky windows here there were none of the kebab shops or the strip clubs to sop up the late night stragglers like the good side of scarswell the only sounds were the crunches of litter under my feet and the haunting wail of a distant car alarm i pulled up my hood around my face taking care not to step on the raised cracks between the paving stones until I reached the thicket of greenery, two miles wide in all directions, that stood between me and the central station. The common. It had been dark earlier when I'd taken the same route in reverse, but now the trees towered inwards into a gaping mouth of forest that looked like it might swallow me whole. I hesitated. It was so quiet. No splash of the reservoir, No frog chorus to distract me from the ringing in my ears. There was a cement path that ran the perimeter, with houses and lights opposite, but that route took three times as long, and it was already so late. If I missed this one, it would mean four hours on a cold bench, waiting for the morning train. I'd probably freeze, and Dad would worry. I stepped off the paving stones and onto softened tarmac, into the common. Good decisions. I actually said it out loud this time, firmly to the trees. It helped to fill the space where dread was rushing in. I opened my mouth to say it again, but burped miserably instead. The horribly sulfurous relic of the durian cider. I'd finished it too quickly, just to avoid having to tell people from school what I was up to these days. And what I was up to was nothing. I failed my masters, and then I lost my flat. I didn't have to wake up in the morning to go to work, because there wasn't any work in Scarswell. Nor did I have any children to feed or clothe. All I had to do was reassure my father, to let him know that I hadn't regressed all the way to my teenage drinking habits, sleeping, balled up at the bottom of a stranger's bed somewhere on the edge of the common. I quickened my pace to get out of the durian fog, I wondered what I was going to tell my dad. He didn't know I'd failed out yet, and that was why I needed to be home tonight. I needed some quiet time for reflection, time to choose my words. A grinding sound of pebbles behind me wrenched me out of my guilty thoughts. The blood rushed up through my neck and throbbed behind my eyes, and I carefully pushed the edges of my hoodie back to listen. It could have been an animal, but then I heard the scrape again. And it was ominously bipedal. The night was crisp, but I was very hot now. I could feel the beads of sweat collecting around my neck and between my breasts. They were smashed together, in a cleavage that hovered just below my chin by the only bra I'd left at the house years ago. A super push-up plus, inappropriate for the pub and horribly restrictive now. I was having more than enough of a hard time breathing, but... As I caught sight of the empty battery bar on my smartphone, I felt like I might stop altogether. Just then, a throat cleared behind me. <clears throat> I turned around, slowly. With one hand on my phone, I began to lace the fingers of the other between my house keys, ready to jab. My feet were set well apart on my knock-off Doc Martens, my lungs filled with air, to scream. The shape of a man stepped towards me, wordlessly. A breeze blew a bandy set of birches apart, and moonlight shone through onto his face, eerie and yet somehow reproachful. As I squinted into the darkness, his features gradually became more familiar. Stephen? For a moment, he looked just as shocked as I was, but then his face broke into a toothy smile. All right, Sylvia? he said, moving rather self-consciously. His shiny Adidas jacket swished noisily against itself. "'All right,' I said, unhooking the dark rope of my hair from the collar of my hoodie. I lifted the hair from my neck so the night air could cool my skin. I remembered Stephen. He attended my primary school until, one day, he disappeared sometime in year five. And now, for reasons I don't want to think about, He had appeared from behind a tree, on Scarswell Common. I wanted to be more relieved than I was. I was walking home, he said, from work. Cool. We paused. I tried to remember if we had been close enough at school to warrant a hello hug. Perhaps Stephen was thinking the same. We dithered for a moment longer, and I decided against it. I didn't much feel like being touched so I stretched a plasticky smile over my face, freed my hand from my keys, and waggled my swollen fingers in half a wave. "'How have you been?' I asked. I noticed a note of desperation creeping into my voice. "'Oh yeah, not bad. You?' "'Good,' I said. "'Yeah.' Stephen wasn't blinking much. "'What are you up to, then? You walking?' "'Yeah.' I said. Actually, I was beginning to regret having stopped walking. I'll walk with you. You shouldn't be walking alone in the dark. A lot of weirdos out there, he paused. And then he paused a little more. Especially me. I forced a laugh, and we walked on together. What you been up to tonight, then? He asked. I just saw a gig at the boat builders, I told him, and now I'm off home. "'Wicked! Who was playing?' "'Ben's got an acoustic thing on now.' "'Oh, I remember him from Trist Park! What a lad!' "'Oh, yes. I actually found that I couldn't really remember how much of a lad he was. I wasn't even sure how I'd measure it.' "'Any good?' I wavered. I couldn't bring myself to lie. Stephen noticed, and he laughed. He listed a series of names— people from our school, and asked what they were doing now. With every time that I had to confess I didn't know, he looked more disappointed. I was never really a girl for keeping in touch. Frankly, I wondered why Stephen hadn't made more of an effort to do so himself, since he was clearly so interested in what all of these people were up to now. It's hard, though, he said, when you're always moving around. Why did you leave anyway? My dad killed himself, he said, matter-of-factly sorry i didn't know what else to say it's fine it was ages ago i supposed it was ages ago 15 years ago we're 25 now a third of my life our lives gone it was strange to think about a shiver ran through me as we passed forgotten headstones strangled by weeds in the old cemetery "'What you been up to, then?' he asked. "'I thought of lying, "'but I'd already decided that there was no use in trying to impress Stephen. "'I just failed my master's degree. "'It was strange, but I felt a bit lighter already now, "'now that I'd said it out loud. "'Even to Stephen. "'And so now I suppose I'm just figuring out what to do next.' "'Oh, that's a bit shit. "'What was you?' "'Sociology.' Stephen nodded. I didn't want to jump to the conclusion that he didn't know what sociology was, but I had to admit that it was likely. Right away I felt guilty, cursing my own class consciousness. I was learning that I felt guilty pretty often. And you? I said. Bits and pieces. I nodded just as he had. I wondered what kind of bits and pieces led you to be walking around the streets, alone, at midnight in forgotten Scarswell. I didn't like to ask. Do you mind if I smoke? Why would I? Some girls ate it, he said, searching now in the pocket of his jogging pants. For some reason, this rather irritated me. I wanted to point out that we weren't on a date, but as Stephen pulled out a packet of Super Kings from his pocket, he dislodged a cluster of something else that distracted me as it scattered all over the path. He cursed himself and fell to his knees, frantically trying to retrieve whatever it was from the tarmac. "'Do you need the light from my phone?' I offered it grudgingly, toying with the idea of running off into the street alone while Stephen was preoccupied. I wasn't one for nostalgia. It just reminded me of things I should have done and didn't, and I found small talk draining. The walk home was supposed to be spent thinking of how to tell my dad that I'd ruined my life.' and that we'd have to find somewhere else for the computer desk now that I needed the box room back. Instead, I stayed, scrabbling with Stephen in the dark with my bitten fingernails. Stephen tried to slap my hands away, but I had already had time to pick something up and squint at it in the dark. It was a bendy, shiny, plastic cable tie. He had dropped a bundle of these thick cable ties, and as he quickly straightened up and replaced them in his pocket, he began to look guilty himself. I heaved myself upright too. Our eyes met, and the pause that coagulated in the air between us was more awkward and unpleasant than a durian cider burp. It's for work, he said. I nodded. I was beginning to hear my own blood again. It's for dying stuff. Stephen went on. This time, I wasn't even able to smile. I checked my phone, trying to act nonchalant in spite of the way my hands were shaking. No bars. Thought I got a text, I said, pocketing my phone inside the waistband of my jeans. I've got friends meeting me on the other side. I whirled my voice to turn cheery with the lie. Oh. He retrieved his cigarettes, popped one between his lips and lit it, covering the smell of wet grass with its carcinogenic reek. "'We carried on. "'Sometimes I felt like Stephen sensed my trepidation, "'fearing away to give me space. "'I almost appreciated it and wondered if I ought to feel sorry for him "'having to work so late. "'If he had any nefarious plans, then surely he would have acted on them by now. "'It felt silly to be afraid. "'It was hard for men,' I suddenly decided, "'always having to be the objects of suspicion. "'Maybe if you added some of them on Facebook?' I suggested.' trying to turn the conversation back to the things we had in common. You know, the people from school. Not really. I don't think anyone would even remember me. It was that long ago, he said. But I guess you did. He turned to me and smiled. I searched my mind for a memory, something with which we could both reminisce. Together. I found that the only memory I had of Stephen was of watching some of the meaner boys imploring him to eat weeds from the wild patch and the angry rash that wringed his mouth in the weeks after. He probably didn't want to be reminded of the rash. "'It was a good school, that one,' he said, wistfully. "'Really?' "'But it can get proper shit, trust me. "'I didn't know what to say. "'But on this point, I sensed that I could trust Stephen.' That one had good teachers and all, he went on. I was shit at maths. But Mrs Nicholson, she sat and went through it all with me. Probably be a complete retard if it wasn't for her, mate. That's good, I said. A large part of me cringed at his choice of wording, but I tried not to let it show on the outside. Are you happy being back? Stephen brought his cigarette to his lips. I caught a flash of him, eyeing me in the glow as he inhaled. Not really? I couldn't say why I made this sound like a question. Why's that? I don't like it here. Most of my friends have left. But it's still home. And I'm back here because I failed, I said. I was somehow surprised to hear this, so nakedly and honestly the truth, coming out of my mouth. Suddenly I felt like asking for one of his super kings. Everyone fails, he said. Good to have a base. You moved around a lot, didn't you? Yeah, but we always came back to Scarswell. It'll always be home, even though technically I ain't got a real one right now. There was a silence. I started to feel like he had left it deliberately, opening up between us, in the hope that I might ask him to come back and stay with me. I didn't. He sucked the last of his smoke from the butt and tossed the embers on the wet grass, draping over the edge of the path. I reasoned that if he was really meeting his mates, they'd at least lend him a soft bit of floor for the night. That's why I always think of Trist Park. The last good times before everything started going to shit. I wish they hadn't made me leave, like... Made you? Yeah, I never told anyone before, but it weren't just because of my dad. Yeah, I said. I hoped I sounded so uninterested and yet so faultlessly polite that he would have to stop telling the story at once. I did some things. What kind of things? He looked down at the floor, like he was weighing up how best to answer this. Things they made me get help for. I decided against any more questions. Actually, I nearly wept with relief when I spotted the mint green tip of the Civic Center clock tower. It bobbed cheerfully up there behind the last cluster of poplars, before the common ended. Common, I thought. That's what they used to call Stephen, and his brother, whose name I could never remember, because he never wore the school jumper, substituting it with a sports sweatshirt. And he wore supermarket trainers instead of the regulation little boy black leather lace-ups. And he got a taxi to wherever his family were living, instead of his mum picking him up like the others. He didn't talk like the other boys or girls either, And when the teachers corrected him, trying to polish his words into something more safely middle class, they all too often reminded him, unkindly, that he sounded common. I didn't want to know if you remembered any of this. I certainly didn't want to know what any of these bad things were. I had my own problems to deal with. You remember that girl with the blonde hair? Jess, she... I've got to run and get my train, I interrupted. It was so nice to see you, Steve. Add me on Facebook if you want. I hadn't had a Facebook account in years. It was well cool seeing you, he said, and he flashed me that toothy smile again. I'm going up northward now. My mates are waiting. I suppressed a sigh of relief and let myself fall into his outstretched arms. His jacket was infuriatingly noisy and full of the musk of energy drinks and cigarettes. I tried not to breathe. I tried not to wonder, either, if these mates of his were real or not or what the cable ties were meant for. Who cared, frankly, now that I was mere streets away from the beacon of the civic centre. The tower was lit up like a lighthouse, and I knew that police, cameras and safety were just awaiting for me, just a few steps away. Take care, I called. I was already speaking over my shoulder. I pushed my cold hands deep into my pockets and hurried on, scuffing the grey tile that signaled the beginning of Scarswell City Centre proper. I watched out of the corner of my eye as Stephen disappeared onto a smaller path in the other direction. He didn't look back, and I breathed deeply, with relief. When I was away, I had always hated having to tell people I came from Scarswell. Invariably, they'd never heard of it, and I hated growing up there even more. I never imagined I'd feel so safe and happy to be back, surrounded by all the dumpy post-war architecture the faint stink of low tide that crept in from the waterfront, and blew through the walkways and settled inside the nostrils. But here, back home, I knew my way around. I knew I could move purposefully, even on dark weeknights, without having to stop and look at the road names. It was comfortable, and it almost fit, just like the misshapen hoodie I was wearing, left over from a long-gone fling. The silver paving turned into cobblestones as the roughened grey walls of the police station grew closer and I was overtaken by an edge to run tripping a little and twisting my ankle. The car park was conspicuously less populated than I remembered it being but there would still be police even though I wasn't sure why I still felt like I needed them. In the middle of the building there was a dip that led to a wrought iron gate. I'd seen blue and yellow police fans disappear into it I clattered down, slowed, and bent over, clutching the stitch at my side. There was a booth. Surely there would be someone inside, keeping watch over who went in and out. I banged on the metal door, but there was no answer. The sound was hollow. In the half-light, I read a laminated sign tied to the gate. Effective May, Scarswell Police Station has moved to make way for the Scarswell Maritime Heritage Museum. Come inside and celebrate our city. We apologise for any inconvenience." I swallowed hard. I didn't dare to look back, remembering something about Lot and the Pillars of Salt, wondering what it all meant. But eventually, my will dissolved, and from the corner of my eye, I saw him. Maybe 20 feet away, there was the familiar outline of a man in the gloom, face obscured, and casting a long shadow from the only streetlight that shone down into the dip. But his white teeth gleamed supernaturally as he slipped his hand inside his pocket. Here at the Skarswell Tourists Information Office, we rely on our listeners. If you enjoy our stories, please consider supporting us on Patreon, and find our newsletter, merch, and more at skarswellonsea.com. We'll see you in two weeks. We're so very sorry.